Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor Kira. Marler, it is casual Friday time. You are laughing because you did not leave in an intro that would have... I don't know if it would have offended what? or made people cringe. Cringe. I don't think it could have offended anybody. It would have offended cringe. anybody. Yeah, it, it would have offended people that have an actual good British accent. Yeah, which I am not one of those people. Well, recreationally. I'm going to ask you, please politely, to put that, that at the very end of the podcast. Please put that intro at the oh, very end. Oh, no, for no, no. Fun. I'm not. I, I, I got a new file. I'm not even sending him that oh. file, so he won't even have it. So. Fine. All right. Oh, well. For a later date. We have a lot to get to today. We recorded an interview with Jason Swain, former Tennessee receiver. Got to talk about a lot of a lot of great stuff with him. A little bit more on the serious side. And I know we've had a couple of this will be our, I guess, second consecutive casual Friday podcast where we've kind of talked about some real world stuff. Yeah. Um, but wanted to be able to do that. Very, very relevant topic right now, not only in college football, but in the world. And think that Jason always brings some really good perspective on that. So it was great to be able to, to have him on. Also talks a little bit of stuff about this year for Tennessee. Let's just say he's not all in. And I can tell he's not all in on like the, oh, Tennessee's about to win 10 games. He's not in the East this year. all in. See what I did there? Ooh, see what, I, see what you did. Yeah, good. I, see. I didn't like it. Yeah, I saw what you did, though. It's also fair. <laughs> yeah. We also have Stump Marler, as always, the return of Jay Woody. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but you're a little bit confident right now, and I hate it. <laughs> did you did you guys have a Stump Marler episode? Because I didn't notice that. On that fine note, we also have, before we get to all of that stuff, we have a couple things that we need to get to before we do that. First, Marler, our friends at Bet Online. I can imagine that you are just sitting there like, July 31st, July 31st, basketball season. Cannot wait. Cannot but you wait. have like a million things to bet on before then, so you're covered. Yeah, well, and, and it's casual Friday. And as we agreed, I don't know if that you ever gave an agreement on this, but I said it was okay and then just started doing it. It's, yeah, I didn't agree It's casual that. Friday, so I'm still gambling right now. I'm in a poker tournament. I'm, there's 45 total people left, top 44 get money. We're just making money hand over fist. You can too with our good friends at betonline.ag. Go there today. Uh, go play some poker. Go gamble on some Korean baseball. Like you said, there's going to be some basketball coming up here. Um, I feel I feel bad because I missed out on the MLB prop bets last night. Mm. But you can get, you can wager on a number of things over with our friends at betonline.ag. So head over there today. Get yourself. Get your little gambling on, guys. Um, that's all I have to say. So thank you to our friends at BetOnline for helping me get through this quarantine. And there you go. We have... A few five-star reviews that we want to get to. And just a reminder, if you have not, please, we would love it if you could give us a five-star review. We appreciate anybody who has ever given us a five-star review in the past. They are in our best friends club. So if you could, head on over to iTunes, um, rate, subscribe, all of those things. But wanted to get to a few of those before we got to our interview with Jason Swain. So this one from... D-Wizzle, probably Dwizzle. It's probably Dwizzle. Probably Dwizzle, yeah. Uh, Subject, these dudes rock. This show is one of my favorites for SEC football content and football general knowledge. They are very entertaining and know their stuff with a flex emoji. That's what we have to do there, flex emoji. 
Uh, I appreciate their humor and non-biased approach to it just means more in the SEC. It just meant more. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, with all that said, hashtag go Gators. Thank you, Dwizzle. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, Marler stalling because he's in the middle of the hand I mean, right now. I have pocket now. nines and there's only one person left, so I don't know if I should if I should raise. I'm going to raise. Um, okay, anyway. You don't want to see a flop with pocket nines. You I know. know. I, I want everyone to fold to me, but also I'm one I'm one from the money, so this is a mistake because I've left myself very short-stacked. All right, uh, here is mine. This is a stop Marler question from DHAM2001. I was raised. I don't know what to do. I hate all of this. I hate everything. This was a very dumb play. Um, how many seasons has SC had double-digit wins on the podcast? Multiple times. Marlon has said the answer is five. Unfortunately, he gives us too much credit. The answer is four. 1984 and 2011 to 2013. Sometimes facts are sad, but maybe he thinks number five is coming this fall. They, I appreciate that. I do not think that, but I do love the enthusiasm. Wow. Marlon hates South Carolina. That I heard it here not first. True. Um, this one from Trevor Howard 9. How to survive 2020. like that. Uh, the SDS pod is simply one of the best all-around football podcasts that is on the market to date. With all of the peak off-season content and the three podcasts a week, it has made 2020 somewhat bearable. The guys provide excellent impartial views on everything and put a little zest on top with hilarious gags and jokes. Best pod out there and deserves a listen from any SEC fan, whether casual or hardcore. 10 of 10 and roll tide. Of course... A Bama fan thinks that Marler is totally unbiased with all things Alabama. Of course. <laughs> I like that a lot. I am. Um, okay. The uh, Let's see here. The title of my review is a tribute. So it's SDS on top from Jones Dog. The title of my review is a tribute to the late, great Larry Munson. This podcast has taken over. I like this one a lot. Uh, my number one listening spot. Uh, all right. We're in the money here. Sorry. Over the last few months, I cut a lot of grass for people in my neighborhood, and I'm always looking forward to new content nice. from the guys. They do a great job of keeping it light and funny while still sharing insightful knowledge. If Chris replaces all of his SEC knowledge with useful stuff, he would know about 23 different languages. God dang it, Bobo! Go dogs! Keep up the good work. I love listening to podcasts while I mow. That is one of my favorite things, and I just love to mow. Hail, brother. I would mow. I, I mow for free. I mean, that's, that's, that's where we're at in life. I don't mow my own lawn. I, I mow a friend's lawn. I ask on a weekly basis. My wife hates that I do it. I, I love mowing lawns, man. Sorry. <laughs> I love mowing if, lawns. If that makes me weird, I, I just do. Yeah. It's, it, is, it is therapeutic. It's being able to get outside. I don't know if it's quarantine. It's made me want to do it even more. Yeah, you sound but crazy for sure. I, I definitely love it. All right. We have a great interview with Jason Swain. Like I said, a little bit more on the serious side. We... Want to talk about you know some issues that I think are very much at the forefront of all relevant college football discussions. It would feel like kind of an injustice if we just pretended like nothing was going on in the world right now. But I'll promise everybody next week we have a little something fun planned. Um, something where I am going to get outside of my comfort zone a touch, and Marler is going to get outside of his comfort what zone a touch. What are you talking about? Touch. What are you doing? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I do about. not. We are, next week, I am going to watch Hook. Oh, yeah. And Marler oh, yeah. is going to listen to some John Party. What? Whoa, whoa, okay, all right. Let's. It's, I mean, it's a long time easy. coming. It's about time you listen to Hook. I cannot believe I raised nines. That was so stupid. i got to watch two hours of Robin Williams, so we're all suffering. He, right okay, now, that's right? so messed up. He's fantastic. Anyway, uh, you guys enjoy this episode. Enjoy this episode. Let's go to our interview with Jason Swain. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest, 
It is former Tennessee receiver and current host of the Swain event, Jason Swain. Jason, I, I've got a level with you. Um, last week, Marlon and I, we were, doing a, we were doing a podcast on the SEC's most disappointing teams of the 21st century. And I texted you asking you why that 2005 Tennessee team that you were on struggled so much. And it didn't really hit me until right after I hit send that this was probably still a little bit of a sore subject. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm sorry for uncovering an old wound like that. Oh, man. It's all good. It's been what, 15 years. Um, you know, it, it was a team that was full of talent, but um, it's a lesson about needing more than just talent. you got to have uh, chemistry. you got to have, um, you know, a little bit of luck of, of preventing injuries. But, you know, that season was just about, about chemistry. That was kind of um, knocked out of whack early, early in the season. And offensively, just, just couldn't get it going. And um, it, it was a good lesson about the structure of the team and leadership and all that good stuff that, you know, I learned that season and helped me for the next season and pretty much helped me for the rest, um, you know, of, of, of my life. Uh, it's helped me so far. Excuse me. So uh, it's all good, man. I'm, I'm over it. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize again because I, I do have to ask you something else. I, unreal. About, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't prove any of this, Jason. <laughs> I I gotta know. I, I'm 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 curious. Looking back on this and digging into it a little bit more, and and especially with a lot of teams that that kind of have that path of just really really like high preseason expectations that include a national championship, where that's not a crazy thought. Do you remember thinking that team had a legit chance to win it all before the year? And then when was the moment during that season when you realized it was probably going to be a really long year for you guys? Um, every season, you know, I think when you go to a place like Tennessee that, at that time, I got there in 2003, and you know, two years prior, they uh, had an opportunity to go to the national championship if it wasn't for an SEC loss to LSU. And so the national championship was always the, the goal for season. That's always what you work towards uh, during the summer. But to be honest, I mean, I felt it the first game of the season. You know, um, that team was very, very talented. And we had a, a quarterback open battle during fall camp. And um, the wrong decision was made there. You know, when you have a quarterback battle that way, you know, it's just best to listen to your team. And usually your team tells you, you know, offensively, you can see all of how um, the, the offense responds to a particular quarterback. Um, and then, you know, the team will tell you because the quarterback is kind of, you know, that their leader of the team. And so uh, it was a decision that, that, that was made um, kind of against – you know, the natural feeling or the natural instinct of, of going with the quarterback that, um, you know, kind of the players gravitate towards, um, and it cost us. And so a lot of chemistry was, was off, and um, you had a locker room that preferred one guy over the other. And um, offensively, just, we just never got it going that season. Had a good comeback win against LSU, but, you know, we, we, didn't capitalize on the defense that was one of the best in the country. Uh, that was still 
with so much talent. So, yeah, man, that's 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 what happened, and um, I'm sure it's a lesson for you know other Tennessee teams after '05, and probably other teams around the country that looked at that Tennessee team and didn't notice what happened. Speaking of that defense, we talk about John Chavis. We call him John the Don Chavis. Um, we talk about him pretty much every podcast, and he was obviously the defensive coordinator of that team that you're talking about. He was a defensive coordinator while you were there. Do you have a good John Chavis story? Um, well, it was always a battle in practice. Uh, it was always a battle between offense and the defenses, and there was, there was always intense battles between the players, but uh, there was always battles coaches and uh, I remember I remember Chief and an offensive assistant there in Tennessee uh, got after it you know um, you had offensive players that would wear no contact jerseys you know because they had an injury and you wanted to make sure that you protected them and you know Coach Davis didn't, didn't like it when guys that were wearing the no con- contact jersey would you know block his players you know hard to you know, crack back blocking and things like that. And so, you know, Chief stood up and won his players, and it got real heated. So uh, I remember that. I'll never forget it. But that's why Chief players always loved him and play hard for him because you know, he always had their back. Um, I'm sure you got a chance to, to spend some time around the late Johnny Majors during the last 15 years or so. Do you have a, a favorite memory of him? Yeah, absolutely. I was doing a um, I was doing a show um, in the Star Cities for a client of mine, and um, Coach Johnny Majors and Coach Jackie Sherrill uh, was guests on that particular broadcast, and I do a three-hour show, and they joined me for the last hour, and you know, I'll never forget it. Um, you know, Coach Sherrill was assisted on several of uh, Coach Majors' teams several different stops and you know to that day it was just the utmost amount of respect that Coach Cheryl gave Johnny Majors. I mean it opened the door for him, um, always kind of deferring to Coach Majors when it came to questions that, that I asked and you know Coach Majors was an ultimate storyteller. I mean he take over a room and I remember um just that hour flying by. I mean, it wasn't my show. It was the Johnny Major show. And I would ask him just one question, and he would just, he would just roll. So the story is just it's unbelievable. His memory, uh, when it came to the X's and O's and things that happened uh, during the game or during practice, was just, just unbelievable. And, um, and I remember that personal story from, um, from being around him. But I just have so many other cool Stories that was told to me by guys that played for him um, that that I always cherish and you know understand why Tennessee uh, is a special place. You know when you when you come here, you know as a, someone outside the state, you don't grow up as a Tennessee fan. You know you, you learn these things kind of on the go, on the fly uh, as time you know goes by. So you know I've, I've I've had to learn about Coach Majors in that way. Because I didn't grow up as a Tennessee fan, and um, you understand why you know, fans that are you know, 40 years old or 35 years old or more, or whatever, um, why they became 
diehard fans during the Johnny Majors and John Ward days. I mean, just special people that were Tennessee guys that that loved Tennessee, and you, and you knew it by how they carried themselves and, and how they uh, went about their business. So we just did a, a podcast talking about Majors getting robbed in the 1956 Heisman race, but Johnny Majors always said that Jim Brown should have won the award that year. Obviously, racism played a part in that and Brown finishing fifth. The subject of racism, even 64 years later, has been on the minds, I'd say, of many uh, college football fans and just people in this country. Uh, I'm interested in getting your perspective on, on how it's being discussed as somebody who, you know, you're you're a black man who grew up in Chicago and moved to the South. And I think you have, you know, very different experiences in, in you know, perspective on that. What were some of your experiences, you know, dealing with that growing up? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I've been, you know, I was born up there, born in the north, and spent a little bit of time in Chicago. Most of my time I spent in the home of Alabama. Um, that's, that's where I was raised. And, um, you know, being, being an athlete sometimes, you don't, you don't, feel it as much as someone who doesn't play sports. You, you feel it. Like, you, you, you have your experiences, but sometimes you can, you know, it's, it's not, like, blatant in your face because, you know, growing up, you know, I was always the best athlete. And so um, there were times here and there that I would experience it. You know, you know, one of my, one of my best friends is a white guy. And, you know, he, um, in high school, had a, had a a phase where he would pick up things and take them without paying for it, <laughs> and um, that was his thing. That was that was you know that was his thing, and you know he got himself in trouble and you know stopped doing it. But I remember I was with him and I was walking out of a out of a Walmart and the alarm went off, right? And the alarm goes off and you know I stop. I'm like, what 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 the hell's going on? Because I, I know I didn't take anything. Uh, maybe something that I bought they got to take off the know the, the the sensor thing and I guess whatever they put on uh, equipment and so I stopped and you know the employee went directly to me to check me but did not check my friend and at the time I thought like, oh man they didn't take my friend but like as time went past I like I I got make it felt like yo this person is automatically assuming that I I didn't even check my friend. I didn't even check him. And so, you know, then I start realizing, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be treated a little bit different because of the way I look and the color of my skin. Um, you know, I, I remember, you know, being around a group of friends and and you know, hearing little things uh, about parents that were like, no, you, you, it's okay to hang out with or whatever or Keep her at distance, but you know you better not you better not date them, and you know things like that. And so uh, I started to realize really really quick that you know people trust me by the color of my skin and the way I look, rather than the content and my character. And for so long, you know, you just you you learn to tolerate it. You're told to tolerate it. You're told to you know um, turn the other cheek if something happens to you or. You know, just focus on what you have to do, and you know, don't 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 raise too much of a fuss because you don't want to make it worse. Or um, and it's just, at what point do you stand up for yourself and stand up for what's 
people to everybody else. And I, I think we're at a point right now when, um, you know, you can't deny it. I mean, you, you, can, you can sit here and say that, uh, hey, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that exists because you haven't experienced it yourself or, you know, you don't live in that world or you're in your own bubble. But one thing about um, this day and age, technology and, and social media, I mean, something that happens in L.A., we can know about it in less than 10 minutes over here uh, on the East Coast. And um, before social media, we didn't have that ability. You know, so you had to kind of rely on the news. You had to rely on watching on TV or newspaper. And so we, we see what's going on now more than ever. And you can't deny it. Um, there's video. We've seen this, this, this movement that's taking place from video, from, you know, a video of a, of a, a black man killed and uh, taking a jog in Georgia, and then a black man killed in, in, in Minneapolis. And those were videos. What about all the times there, were not a, there was not a video before, uh, you know, video phones? And so, like, you just, you just can't deny it anymore. And, um, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just really time to demand change, and like, it has to be done together, and that's kind of what you're seeing right now, and um, it's cool to see sports teams, um, whether it's NFL or NBA or, you know, NASCAR just recently just kind of stand up and say enough is enough, and, um, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of neat to see people of different colors and different uh, economical uh, standing, um, locking arms, and doing this thing together because that's what it's going to take uh, to, to do it together. And of course, you still have your detractors. You still have the people that um, are fighting that, which I don't understand why, and uh, pretty stupid to me. But it's exposing them. You know, you can't hide anymore. You got to pick a side. Either for equality or you're not. And exposing a lot of people. In sports, outside sports, that that for some reason don't don't believe that people should be treated equally. Along those same lines, we've seen this past week what can happen at a place like like Iowa, where it looks like everything is is all fine, and then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of former former players, black players, prominent players in the NFL who are coming out and and speaking about racism within the program. Could you relate to any of those those types of stories, or did you know people who dealt with those types of issues in college football? Yeah, I don't have any personal experiences with that at all. Um, that's, that's, I mean, and, I, and I'm not sitting here and like questioning those those stories because you know, I'm not in Iowa, uh, and <laughs> you know, I want I want accountability and responsibility uh, if, if that effect happened. But I, I just know that the moment something like that, was, was, you know, if that happened with my teams, it wouldn't, it wouldn't come out five, ten years later. I mean, it would be, it would be handled right then. So I've never experienced that. Um, you know, my teams that I play on have been, you know, predominantly black. So no, I just, it, it kind of blew my mind that for someone that, that worked that long with athletes, 21 years there at Iowa, that now this is this is the first that we've heard of this. It's, it's, it it made me kind of just kind of pause and, and not rush to judgment too fast. 
as, as much as you know, I want people held accountable for for uh, being biased and you know treating people differently. It's just that's just weird to me um, that it's taking that long for for these things to come out. But if they can hundred percent verify it, then hey, strength code needs to be held held accountable. But I I've just never experienced that, man. I, I just that just blows my mind how strength coach be around the student athletes more than any other person in the building. You know, that's the guy that's around the players more than the head coach, more than tutors, more than assistant coaches. And to to be that way and allow and, and be allowed to, to be in that role is just mind blowing to me. So I'm I'm kinda waiting to see, you know, how that how that thing plays out. Mhm. What can college football programs do uh, as it relates to issues of racism, how, how could college football programs be handling this better? You have tolerance. I mean, that, that, that's how you handle it. Um, you have tolerance, and, you know, I'm, you know we've, seen, we've seen statements where people typically around, you know, the issue at hand and, and kind of use words to, to you know, address it, but, you know, just not really, you know, not really, Take your head on because they don't want to you know, ruffle any feathers. Um, no, I mean just call a spade a spade. And you know when you when, when you have an opportunity to um, to really hold someone accountable for you know racial injustice, um, then you do it. Period. And you know, I I, I, um, I commend Oregon State. And Oregon State didn't, didn't play around. They just missed a player um, and didn't play around. So um, if, if, you, if you are tolerated as a player, as a black player, if you allow these things to, to go on, uh, you allow racism to be celebrated. You allow um, people that, that even if it's in history, that um, was, a, was a part of uh, racism. You know, you're a black player and you see Know, these people celebrate it, and there's not some type of, of, of decision made to, to stop the celebration or, or uh, to hold these people accountable. How does that make you feel as a black athlete? You make it, you, it feels like the institution is about that too. And so, once the institution mm-hmm. starts to, to disassociate from those type of people and, and those type of views, then it makes you feel safer. It makes you feel better about um, the institution that you're a part of. And the environment that you are in, so um, it just you know it's just it's just time. I mean, it's time to you know there's no gray area. You know, either you, you have hate in your heart, uh, either you know you believe in equality and uh, you want to treat people the right way because of their character under this the skin. Um, there's just there's just no wiggle room. So if you want to make racist videos and things like that, then you'll be held accountable. Period. Um, it's, it's a privilege to, to be in an institution. Um, you know, like a Tennessee or, or uh, like really any in the SEC and a lot outside of the SEC. So just, just don't have any, any tolerance for any of that stuff. How do you think Jeremy Pruitt's handled such a – I mean, this this offseason has just been wild. Like for from every standpoint, it's just been one thing after another. There's been nothing typical about – what a college football coach has, has had to kind of navigate around um, these past few months. How do you think he's handled all that? 
perfect. I think I think his his biggest win of his I'm still here. Um, <laughs> just so you know. Um, so I got a question for you about um, quarterback Brian Mowers has had. Uh, he's been pretty outspoken about a lot of things that I think are um, not necessarily as much like race, but sensitive topics, talking about his anxiety and stuff this offseason. How proud does that make you as a former player and obviously, uh, you know, of all for life to see an athlete like that use his platform and voice for positive change? Yeah, I mean, we as athletes, there's so much pressure on us to, 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 you know, to be the best, and not all of us handle adversity the same. You know, not all of us handle pressure the same. You know, pressure we put on ourselves. It could be uh, because of injury. It could be because uh, of a variety of different things. And you know, football is such a uh, barbaric sport, and you got to be tough. And Sometimes when you're hurt, you got to play through, you know, being hurt. Um, keep it to yourself sometimes. You got to swing angles. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be weak, right? You don't want to show that weakness. Um, you want to fight through it and, 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 you know, not let your brothers down. Um, but when it comes to, to mentally having a sprained ankle, um, you don't need to conceal that. You need to talk. You need to um talk to someone that possibly can help. In Brad Myers' case, uh, he's helping other people by, by sharing it with the world. And he's not alone. We, we, we've all kind of been there. At least I know I've been there as, as a player um, where, you know, I've had some, some mental health issues and I need to talk to one because I dealt with injury and I put so much on myself to be the best player I could be. Uh, and when that, that goal is threatened, um, you know, you're, you're anxious. And you have doubts, and um, you don't know if you're going to be able to, you know, provide for your family because you had the goal of, of using, you know, college football as a kind of a springboard to 
to, to make a better life for um, your family and, and you know, past generations. So when you go through injury, you know, you, you, do, you get down. You, you have self-doubt. So um, I'm proud of Brian Mauer uh, for sure. And him, him talking about it just makes it that much easier for the next person to be able to talk about it and say, I need help. And it's okay with saying you need help. All right, let's switch gears. It's been real serious, and it's been some really, really good stuff. But I, I got a very important question for you. You get up pretty mm -hmm. early. Every time I wake up and I get on Twitter, you're already up. You're already doing a full show. And I'm like, Jesus, I haven't done anything this morning besides had pizza mm -hmm. for breakfast. So what am I doing? I got to know, what is your coffee order that gets you up and gets you going every morning? Oh, man. I, I mean, I've been, I think when you, when you, when you play professional sports, Sports and when you are athlete at, at, at SEC level, I mean, you know, you just used to getting up early. You, know, you got to get up early, go to class, uh, so you can knock that out of the way, and, and then uh, be ready for practice in the afternoon, or you know, you knock out your workout super super early. And so, uh, I'll be lying if I said I was always a morning person, but you know, I have <laughs> I have some kids. I have kids. I used to do an afternoon show. Uh, it's been an adjustment period, but you know, it's to the point now. I just get up without an alarm, and um, I don't know, man. I, don't, I, I have different different coffees that I, I like. Um, I don't. I'm not a coffee connoisseur to the point where I can tell you brand names and all that stuff. Uh, but I do. Um, I do like the pour over method. I do like to grind my own coffee beans, and I try to stay away from the keg as, as much as possible. Even though sometimes I do it. Uh, because sometimes, man, you're up late and, and you're real sleepy. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm used. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. I get up about five thirty, six most mornings. Yeah, yeah, same, Jeez. same. In case, in case our boss is listening right now, in case, in case the president's listening, that's it's a, me, same. Um, so, so I got a question for you. Looking forward to this year with the returning talent and potential impact of a guy like Cade Mays. I think coming in. I've said all offseason I thought that Tennessee may have the best offensive line in the SEC, possibly the country. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy to, 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 to say that they have the opportunity to do that. I mean, you look at Alabama, they're, they're certainly in that same um, conversation. But, you know, Kay Mays brings a, a level of nastiness, experience uh, to the offensive line group. And, and you know, hopefully he's, he's clear and he's able to play uh, after transfer from Georgia. But, you know, you add him with uh, some young, very talented tackles and then experienced interior uh, of Trey Smith, who's an absolute mauler, one of the best in the country. And then Brandon Kennedy as well, who's seen a lot, been through a lot of adversity, who's, who's dang good in his, own, in his own right. So, yeah, this offensive line has, has opportunities to be to be really, really good. Um, it wasn't just it was, it was just two years ago when this offensive line really, really struggled. And, mm -hmm. you know, last year they found different ways to win. Uh, they beat the wins by throwing the football down the field and having time to do that, and they won football games by running the football and controlling the clock. And so, and this offensive line has a chance to kind of kind of be good at doing both. You know, I've, I've 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 witnessed offensive lines that were really really good pass pro, but not as great in the running game, and vice versa. And this offensive line has a chance to be really good at both. So, uh, yeah, this this line. Um, certainly deserves all of the preseason hype and preseason talk uh, that they're getting right now because they've earned it. They worked their tail off, and they put themselves in, in this position. They're really good.
All right, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Um, I, I think this is this is like the age-old question because Tennessee ha- Tennessee's kind of like Georgia, where they got a whole bunch of rivals. Um, mm-hmm. A win over which one of these teams would go the furthest in saying the Vols are actually back? Georgia, Florida, or Bama? Because I tell you what, Jason, as, as we had this, we had Jim before, and I said it then, as a, as an admittedly as as a Bama fan, I didn't like saying they were back either. Like that was not like I wasn't really <laughs> super pumped about saying that. Um, but no, I like that answer. We're gonna get you out of here. The final part of this on two minute drill. It's a rapid fire game. It's like um, think Family Feud, but um, just you know, first thing that comes to mind, best answer possible. We got ten questions and two minutes on the clock. Are you ready? All right, here we go. First question. What's the best part of quarantine? Um, the best part of quarantine? Uh, family time. Okay, that's a strong answer. What has been the best show to watch during quarantine? Man, I've been, I've been spending a lot of time outside. Uh, so the back half of the quarantine, I, I haven't watched a lot of TV, but the front part of the quarantine... Uh, definitely the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. That, that was my favorite. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, I like that. It's a very good answer. Uh, third question. Uh, hopefully you saw Tiger King, um, the front part of quarantine. True or false, did Carol Baskin kill her husband? I have not watched Tiger King, and I have, <gasps> uh, I have, I have said I have not watched Tiger King. 
or not. <laughs> that's probably for just the best. say true. Yeah, yeah, that's probably for the best. Um, okay, that's a fair answer. Uh, next question: What's the best part of summer? The best part of summer. Wow. Well, I got a birthday in summer. That's good. There you go. There we go. Yeah. I'm a a spring and fall guy, man. I don't know if I like the weather in the 90s and 100s. So, uh, but I'll I'll say, um, I'll say vacation and um, I'll say, hey, I got a birthday in July. So, how about that? Okay. I like that. Follow-up question. Favorite kind of cake? Cake? Yes, not Rihanna cake. We're talking about birthday cake here. <laughs> Bur- oh, favorite birthday cake. Oh, man. Well, it's a time between uh, red velvet and um, vanilla with uh, caramel icing. Ooh, I like that combo. Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah, uh, it's a time. about vacation earlier. Uh, I might have to steal that. That's, I like that a lot. Uh, okay, you talk talking about vacation. Beach or lake? Uh, yeah, same. Agreed. You can't see. You can't see the bottom of the lake. I don't. Want, I mean, mm-hmm. just ever since I saw Lake Placid when I was like fourteen, I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know what's mm-hmm. under there. Um, follow up. Go to road trip snack. Road trip snack. Oh man, that's that's a good one. Probably white cheddar popcorn. That's a good answer. That's a really good answer. Um, yeah, that's actually, okay, you know what? That's an underrated answer. I like that a lot. Write this down. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's just the only thing is like when it gets on your hands, which I'm fine with. That's like an after snack. You just lick it off the fingers. Anyway, moving on. Next next question, go-to order at Chick-fil-A. We're obviously asking the hard-hitting questions here. Oh, uh, spicy, spicy sandwich, add pepper jack cheese. Uh, Bro. Fries, that's it. And, uh, Spot on. Usually, I go water, but if I don't get water, it is sweet tea lemonade. Ooh, okay, I like that. Now, I'll tell you what. When you decide that you don't want to be in shape anymore, this is something I've started doing. Just that you don't have to, (laughs) but just something I started doing. What you want to do is you want to get a little spicy chicken extra with the pepper jack, just an extra sandwich by itself. I call that little appetizer for the ride home, but I have some weight issues, so that's fine. (laughs) Um, The next question. (laughs) <laughs> we had almost the same order. I just had too much food. Um, okay, favorite stadium in the SEC that's not Neyland Stadium? Favorite stadium in the SEC? Favorite stadium to play in? Either way. Okay, we got two more here. Two more. Uh, you like, I feel like you know this group probably better than me because I've only had to run had runs with them twice, and I've regretted both of them. So my question to you is: What is a stronger force, coronavirus or Vol Twitter? Oh, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I have to go Twitter. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is yeah, <laughs> that's that's worth some points right there. That is that's accurate. Yeah, because um, you're going to need more than a man for, 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 
Can't confirm that is true, by the way. All right, last question here. I asked you earlier, I said, which win over which team would uh, go the first to say the Vols are actually back? We're gonna, it's a variance of that question here. I want to know which of these three teams does, does Tennessee actually get their first win over this season or next season, either or Bama, Georgia, or Florida? Who you got? Okay, I like that. You know what? Yeah, it's, I like that. That's a, a lot of bonus points there. That's real good. Yeah. Um, okay, let me add this up. Let's see here. Um, let me add this up. That is, we got a grand total here. This is close to a new high score. It, it's a grand total of 269 points. That is a very nice score. Wow, that's nice. Very impressive. Dang. Um, Jason, is that, this is that, has been... Is that out of, is that that's that's pretty much out of a hundred. So you went above yeah. and beyond. Like I was worried you were going to say Bama for the first loss. You didn't. You, you you really helped me out on that one. So I I, I gave you some extra points there. Strong Chick Fil A order too. Yeah, strong Chick Fil A. Yeah, well, actually, got closer to beating Alabama than any other other two teams last year. But I just that's I don't a know. Point I don't... deduction there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's, that's true. true. That's very true. Jason, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Really appreciate you sharing some of that stuff. Uh, we're gonna have to have you back on real, real soon. Talking Tennessee when it's in the midst of you know a division title chase or something like that. But uh, appreciate you coming on, and we will uh, we'll catch up soon, man. All right, man. Sounds good. Y'all have a good one. All right, appreciate it. You too. All right, time for America's favorite game. It is Stump Marler. We have our good buddy Jay Woody back in the house. Jay, what's going on? Hey, man, nothing much. Living it up in Nashville, Tennessee today. Ooh. <laughs> That's not a bad place to be right now. Go to Printer's Alley. Yeah. All right. I'll put that C. on. Wright would tell you to go to, C. Wright would tell you to go to Hattie B's for sure. It's gross. Yep. I don't know if I can uh, handle it, but right I will here. try it while I'm here. No, Hattie B's is great, but I'm saying Printer's Alley is gross. It's a BYOB oh. strip club area, but you, do you. Do you boo. <laughs> so. On that fine note... Marler, how confident do you feel today? So here's the thing, guys. I just want to say it's been a great week. I love everyone. You guys are great. Um, <laughs> it's just been a real positive week, and I've, I feel really positive. Like, we made some changes in NASCAR. This has been a great week all around. Here's the thing. For your own sake, should we change the name of the game to, like from Stump Marler? Because so far, let's just be honest, you haven't. So may, should we say, like, should we just change it to Ask Chris Questions? Should we say, like, hey, let's do our best, um, like, uh, like, Googling stuff that Chris doesn't know? Look, whatever you guys want to do is fine, but I just, I want, like, so for your own self-esteem, I didn't know if that would be better. I, I regret asking that question so much. Yes. Yeah. So much. Thank you a lot. Gracious. Thanks a lot, dude. All right. Here's how this is going to work today. I'll ask the first five. Jay is going to handle the second five. He's the relief pitcher today. Um, I, I think that, Marler, looking at some of these questions, I, I feel like you are going to be able to navigate your way around some, but you're not going to get complete answers for the others, at least. Are you ready? Let's do it. Number one, from our buddy, Candler Cook. 
Candler wants to know, how many SEC teams did Mark Rick have a losing record against as a head coach, and who are they? Um, okay, so I'm pretty sure he just had – I don't think he – he didn't have one against Bama. It was, like, even. I don't think he had one against LSU because I think that was even. I know he had one against Florida because he was, like, 5-10 and 10 against Florida. Um, he beat Auburn, Tennessee – a bunch. I don't. I think it might have just been Florida. You're the worst. Is that right? Question number two. <laughs> Matthew Sadro wants wait, wait, to know. Wait, wait. What was the record? What was the record? He was five and ten. You already went through it. <laughs> don't make me say you're right. Okay. All right. I hate you, dude. I hate you. Sorry, guys. Goodness. Thank you for apologizing. Matthew Sadro wants to know during the BCS era, which. Not that you need to be reminded, but those who are listening, from 1998 to 2013, the worst offense in FBS in terms of points per game was actually from the SEC. The SEC East School averaged a paltry 7.9 points per game during an 0-11 season. A lot of hints there. Uh, Which team was it and who coached them? South Carolina Lou Holtz. You guys shouldn't have told me the 0-11 thing. What year? 1999. His first year there. They went one and ten the following year. Question number three. Go ahead. Carter Logan wants to know: In the last three seasons, only seven games that involved an SEC team went to overtime. What seven games were those? And here's a little hint: four of the five should be easy to get, and only two were out of conference games. Oh, I won't get this one. Um, Overtime. So obviously LSU, A and M, Bama, Georgia. Um, so it's how many in the last three seasons? Seven um, in the last three seasons. You have two of them. Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, la la la. I ooh, that's that's a really good one. I think. Why do they say you should? You should four of the five. Four or five should be easy. Because four I or five were in conference. Yeah, when you hear them, okay. you're going to be like, oh, I should have known that one. I should have known that one. Yes. There's, there's going to there's be four of them at least. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, so Georgia-Bama, LSU-A&M. Yep. LSU didn't go. I don't think Bama went to any of the overtime games because they skull-dragged everybody so much besides last year. Um, did Stop stalling. I'm not stalling. I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> Seth. Oh, South Carolina, Georgia, this year. Mm-hmm. That was I forgot who won that, but I remember that game. Um, just kidding, I know who won that. Let's see. Oh, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Oh mm-hmm. wow, there oh, you I'm go. sensing a trend here. That's four. Um, Those were the four I thought here. you'd get. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I get a hint? The other ones are out of conference. Uh, there's no. Actually, tech, uh, I take that back. I misspoke earlier. There are two that there are two that you have not named that were um, that were in SEC play, and then one that was non-conference. Did Kentucky, Florida, go to overtime? It did not. That is okay, incorrect. Okay, so I missed that one. Um, Tennessee, Tennessee went to overtime with somebody, right? I don't know. Did they? Maybe. I don't. I feel like they did. They go to overtime against like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the other ones. I, I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna kick myself really hard for this. Yes. I don't remember yes, the other, other three. Okay, tell me. Oh, hold on. Wait. Is one of? 
And now I don't know. Gonna interrupt me again <laughs> out to yell nonsense or Was one you of good? the egg bowl? No, no. Now you're yeah, really right, good. Go you're stretched. You're reaching. Yeah. No, We've got no. Tennessee and Georgia Tech in the 2017 Mother. opener. Yeah, that's the one you're going to kick yourself for because that game was in Atlanta. So in Atlanta, no and they should have lost. They gave up like 700 yards rushing that game. Yeah, Butch was uh, Butch was on one that day. Um, A&M and Arkansas in 2017. Okay. And then we had Kentucky A&M in 2018, if you remember. Uh, A&M won that I game over time. So I remember, I forgot the A&M Arkansas one because I was at a wedding that day, which is the worst thing I've ever said. I don't even like that person. All right, go ahead. All right, question number four. This is from Emery. Emery wants to know which Missouri player is in the top three for both passing and rushing in oh, program history. Brad Smith, move on. Okay, number five. Andy Goins <laughs> wants to know what Ole Miss quarterback has the record for most passing yards in a game. Ooh, that is a good question. That's a really good question. And I and I listen. I'm sick, and so I'm I'm going to answer this correctly. And I hate I hate myself for it. I I really. You probably wanted me to say something about Eli. You probably wanted me to say something about um, who was the who was Swag Kelly who had like a bunch, uh, I'm sure, at the years he was there with, with threes. But the answer is Shea Patterson. And I remember this because I remember seeing the highlights, and it was like against like a nobody. And he had some play where he was like, he ran like 80 yards for like a 40-yard completion. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's the next Johnny Manziel. But he wasn't. Whatever. Jay, take over. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> oh, my God, dude. You, you're killing me. All right, number six, man. Andy Goins has another one. Uh, this and this one may be a little difficult. We'll see. Excluding the World War II years, what year did the NCAA allow freshmen to begin playing football? Uh, Nineteen seventy-two. How do you know that, yeah. dude? Like, we just did I worked at the College Football Hall of Fame. Nah, we just we just did that too on the when we did the Herschel George Rogers podcast yeah. too. So that was okay, that was whatever. relatively recent. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Matthew Sager, <laughs> I'm going to put the next one. And I liked it earlier. He just said Emory. He didn't say Emory Picker. He just said Emory. It's like a one-word name, like Cher. Emory's asked so many questions Emory. at this point. Yeah, come on. I hear you. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Matthew Sager says, when was the last time that the cocktail party was not played in Jacksonville? Oh, that's a good one. It was, was it 96 or 95 that they played it in uh, in Athens? They did the home and home. And I remember, I want to say it's, it's ninety. It's ninety five, and it's Athens because that's where Doring hit. They put up like fifty two points. Half a hundred. Yeah, half a hundred. And Doring had half like hundred. At least two touchdowns. Yeah. The ninety five is, right? is your answer. Yeah. God dang it! Yes, it's right. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this almost gets depressing after a while. I have to be it should be. With you, man. I, I go home and just bang my head against the wall, man. I appreciate that. Number eight okay. from Kyle Warner. Who is Florida's all-time leading passer? Chris Leak. I was going to give you a hint that he has beautiful eyes also. But... He does have beautiful right. eyes. <laughs> Number nine, Zachary Warden. Which Steve Spurrier recruit could never win the starting QB job at Florida, then transferred to another team and later beat Florida? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, later beat Florida. So it has to be, like, late in his career. So, he, hold on, he was at Florida and then transferred out? 
He was at Florida. Never. Oh, did oh, I know this one. Brock Berlin he went to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and led them to the greatest comeback, like in Miami history, or something like that, against. Yeah, the well, and, and Brock Berlin was he was like one of those like super recruits. Like he was like the number one overall quarterback, like in every publication. He was like a parade all American, all sorts of. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. He's in my Forest Davis. There's a, there's a part of me that enjoys hanging out with you, and there's a part of me that hates it, and this is the part that hates yeah, it. All right, number 10, Jason Broad, which, which SEC team was the first to lose the national title game in the BCS era? Oh, okay. That, hold on. Let me get a second on this one because it would have to be – I'm going to count it down from 20. Be quiet. Um, <laughs> 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> so I guess I'd have to be 2011 with LSU. God dang it! All right. <laughs> I thought I this had you. I thought you were going to count that as a win. So and then because Bama won it, I thought well. No, All right, I'm pretty me. smart. I think I, I could be wrong, but another team lost the last one in 2013. I cannot remember who it was, but they had a lot of stuff go their way that season, just not the big one. So I don't remember. Who, I don't remember what team that was. Dallas Johns, if you're listening, suck it. Love you, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so how did I do? Let's let's add it up real you quick. Got, stuff got, Marler. I'd give you nine and a half out of ten. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's a, that's that a high a score. I would say that was <laughs> 90, 95 is probably where I would go with that. Oh my god. Sorry guys. Dude. All right. Dude, well, I absolutely hate you. We're gonna that's find cool. we're gonna find your weakness, and not like an obscure weakness. Like we're not gonna we, we had questions. People are trying to get you with punting stuff. And for those who don't know, a little peel behind the onion here. I, I go through and, and, and Jay, Jay gets all these questions together. And Jay, you do such a great job of that. And then I'm kind of left with the, all right, what's not even fair part of the of the assignment to like pick out. If, if we get questions about punting and kicking, unless they're involving Bama, chances are you're not, or unless they're involving an Auburn kicker, because it's probably one of the greatest kickers in college football history if yeah. you went to Auburn. But I'm not. I'm not going to sit there and set you up like that. So we need questions that are realistic. So not talking about kicking totally obscure. But we, we just need to stump you. I mean, well, I need like a four out of ten. That that'll make me feel better. I mean, guys, here's the thing. Like, I I, I love the effort. It's it's it's. You guys are doing your best and. What's that? What's that gift? It always was like you're doing great, sweetie. That's how, that's what I want to say to the whole crowd right now. Um, it's it's just you know it's tough. I, listen, I'm the best there is. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. So it's just that's the whole thing. Fight me. Wind this down. Jay. Wind this down. Trademark. Ricky uh. All right. Well, well, we'll get after it next week. We will we will be better. All right. Hey, listen. If you want to find my weak spot, maybe we just start asking questions about my dad, and then we'll just move on, right, Jay? Whoa. <laughs> 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 your, your dad, your dad, and the uh, gym dog. Those are apparently the yeah, only two things perfect. that are off limits in this. In this. <laughs> I, yeah, that's. I'm totally fine with that. If it, if it helps, I, I'm not. But that, anyway, we'll move on. I, I am uncomfortable. That's <laughs> that fine note. Your dad I'm lives here for uh, <laughs> for one. Here we go. That's right. All that's right. right. Who did your dad uh, thank love? you guys. That was fantastic. Jay, give us our signature sign off. All right, guys. Especially when it comes to Marler and his trivia knowledge. It might mean too much. See ya. <laughs> Let's go. Talk to you guys soon.